0: Welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 7, which is titled Hell and High Water. The episode aired on November 9th, 1995. Lauren, what was going on this week, 25 years ago?
1: Well, the Chicago Bulls scored their first of a record-setting 72 regular season game wins. Woo! Well. The record... Yes, woo bulls. <laughs> the record would stand for twenty years until the twenty sixteen Golden State Warriors won seventy three games.
0: Everyone should check out the Last Dance documentary on ESPN about their the final of their sixth champion their sixth championship in like seven or eight years during the nineties. Absolutely fantastic.
1: It's pretty good. I don't care about basketball that much and even I've been enjoying it.
0: But you get to hear Michael Jordan say fuck. <laughs> watch yeah. the TVMA versions there there's both on ESPN streaming app
1: okay um completely 180 the canadian prime minister survives an assassination attempt who would want to assassinate the canadian prime minister don't know okay um get shorty is the number 1 movie for the third week in a row and fantasy by N- mariah carey remains the number 1 song
0: i need to actually like listen to fantasy cuz like it it's been the number one song for for so fucking long at this point.
1: It's still nowhere near the boys to Men Reign. It's
0: true. It's true.
1: Okay. Back to simpler times.
2: <laughs> so with this week's episode, uh, this is the first time I've got kind of a discrepancy with the viewers' numbers. I've found it sourced in, a, in multiple places at two different numbers. Um, both of them gigantic. Sourced at 48 million or 42 million, depending on who you ask. So a huge jump up. No matter which number you pick, it's a huge jump up from last week when we were at, I think, 35. So you're talking about a a minimum of seven more uh, people tuning in. And at most, we're talking about an extra 13 million people uh, tuning in. So just crazy numbers. If it's 48 million, if that's the correct number, then this is the most watched episode of the entire series right here. (laughs) Uh, So, this is the peak if it's 48. If it's 42, then it would be third behind the season four finale and the season four premiere. Um, so weird, yeah. It's, Hmm. I I peeked ahead a little bit trying to see, you know, what the rankings were going to be, like viewership wise, uh, numbers wise, and. It's going to get a lot harder for me to keep up with this as we get going deeper into seasons yeah. cuz the the data gets a lot spottier. It's weird how the older numbers, I mean I know we were more of like a monoculture back then, so it was probably fewer things being rated so we could tell how many people were watching one thing, but as we start getting into the those like middle seasons and especially the later seasons, there's just big big gaps where there's like no data at all, so might require a little more digging. Hmm. But this week's episode <laughs> Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll try to get as many of them as we can. This week's episode is directed by kind of a season one dream team. Uh, You got Chris Chulock um, directing, who he directed Sleepless in Chicago and Men Plan God Laughs from season one. And Neil Baer wrote this one, who uh, wrote Chicago Heat, Blizzard, The Gift, and Full Moon Saturday Night from uh, season one. So kind of, especially with Blizzard, I'm particularly like my interest is peaked as far as is neil bayer going to be like a a stamp of quality going forward like are we going to know that an episode is good just because he's writing it so it'll be interesting to see if that holds up as we go along
1: so fun fact and i don't know if we want to keep this in the episode or not but do you remember when we started last year how i said one of my high school friends mentioned that he dated the daughter of one of the showrunners
0: yes is it neil bayer
1: no it's chris chulock oh oh i don't know if we dated her friend
2: well he was um also I think an executive producer on the show for the whole time. Like he only directs I think like 12 episodes over the course of the whole show. Um so he doesn't direct that many but he's an executive producer on I think almost every episode.
1: But Yeah. So we have we have a 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon situation too.
2: Hey, Christ see we're up. qualified.
1: <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> Makes us the experts trademark. Good god. All right. Um so this is widely considered the best episode of the, the season two for sure, and one of the best in the series. So, uh, we're gonna dig into it. Uh, opens with uh, Doug sitting in a crowded waiting room of full of children. Not at the ER. He is at a pediatric clinic for a job interview, and he's sitting just in his lovely tailored suit in between uh, two little girls who are there for for a doctor's visit, and they're doing the precocious little kid thing where they're asking like why are you here? What's a job? Why don't you have a job? You know, stuff different.
1: Where's, where's your little girl?
0: <laughs> yeah. So of course, Doug uh, proceeds to make them cry by saying, I'm going to give, I, I'm going to give them big shots, yes. big shots with big needles.
1: <laughs> and they both run away crying. He just sits in the middle and is like, yep.
0: Great uh, pediatric care there, Doug. Yep.
1: <laughs> and I also want to know it's a beige suit, isn't it? It is
0: from the, color. from
2: the Barack Obama collection. <laughs> Yeah. It's a tan suit.
1: And yet he
0: still looks good in it.
2: Yeah, he makes it work. Just like that stupid haircut. He's yep. making it yep. work.
1: And that tie. But yeah, so this is just... It's so weird to think that we start with this compared to where this episode goes. That's probably part I, of the point. I i am aware, but as a viewer...
0: <laughs> yeah, this is an extreme... For those of you who are not watching along with us and just sort of going this based on memory, this is... An extremely dug heavy episode. Like literally, all six or so audio clips I have pulled are all dug.
2: Yeah, this is. I think this is probably the the quintessential Doug episode. Like if you were Absolutely. if you were going to show somebody what Clooney's time on ER was boiled down to, I think this would be the one you'd show them.
1: And definitely one of the most memorable ER episodes in general. Mm-hmm. For sure. Which I'll talk about more when we're done, but um. So from there we go into the ER and. Connie and Mark walk into an elderly woman <laughs> smoking a ton of weed. Like, yeah. the, she has hot boxed this treatment room. And, Daniel, do you want to uh, fill us in on who this actress is?
2: Yes. Uh, this is Ellen Ab- Albertini Dow, who I definitely recognize right away as the grandma in Wedding Crashers.
1: The, yes. The
2: dirty, crass grandma in Wedding Crashers, who somehow only died in 2015 at age 101. Whoa.
1: MVP. Yeah. So she
2: it's was all that weed
0: smoking quite yeah. a while. She
1: She also is um the little old lady who wants to swim in a pool full of noodles and Patch Adams if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> she was in a lot of different things. She's yeah, she She has a very distinctive face and yeah. va- face and voice.
1: Yes, very very good elderly character actress for sure.
0: But I haven't seen Wedding Crashers in a decade and I've never seen Patch Adams, so
2: the highlight of her appearance in Wedding Crashers is that she insinuates that Eleanor Roosevelt was a lesbian.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> no, she was also the grandma in. Um, I'm sorry, when you said Wedding Crashers, she was also in Wedding Singer.
2: Yes, she was Wedding Singer as well.
1: She's the one in Wedding Singer who does also never seen that Poppy. movie. You've seen parts of it because I've made you watch parts of it, but yes.
0: All I know is the gif is somebody kill me, please. <laughs>
1: It's such a good that's, movie. That's a mood. That is one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. It's that and Big Daddy, and I'm set.
0: All right, moving but anyway, on.
1: So yeah, she's great. She's in everything, and it's sad that we have to see her go, but great that she lived such a rich and fulfilling career in life. And she goes, oh, this is just my glaucoma medicine. My nephew grows it for me. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Mark's like, all right, let's take that so you don't get busted. Um, and he sets it aside, and Connie takes it to put it in a bag and, like, take it out to the other room, and she goes, smells like primo stuff. God, I miss the 60s. And I just want to note, does Connie look old enough to you two um, in 1995 to have experienced the 60s in a meaningful way? Not at all. Like, she looks like she would have been maybe like six.
2: Yeah, Yeah, like, I'm I'm thinking Connie's probably, I mean, because she's pregnant, for one thing, so we know she's at least of childbearing age, so it probably puts her at, you know, 40 at the absolute oldest, but she doesn't look
0: 40. So Yeah, I would have guessed early 30s. Yeah, I would have early 30s.
1: Right. So let's say she's 35 and 95. That means she would have been born in 1960. So at the oldest, she could have been 9 T- ten or 60s. Yeah, 9
0: or 10 at the
2: end of the 60s. Yeah.
0: Hey, you know, if she came from hippie parents, Lord knows what what those what those degenerates do not we really got into. do we
1: really think connie of all people came from hippie parents lydia oh, baby no. connie oh, no, no. <laughs> um so i just wanted to point that out because it the line just made me laugh because to everybody watching the show at the time they would have been like yeah the 60s were great but like for a character of that age to say it it just didn't make sense yeah and i feel the like that's what it marks. is too i feel right. like they're,
2: they're that line was for the audience but they just didn't have a character because who could they really have given that to in that i mean because mark's pretty much the same age like right there's nobody maybe that lydia or to. Halle, but yeah it lydia would have made for, a lot more sense
1: yeah not Halle though i don't see Halle being a flower child so i just wanted to bring that up and then we see jerry is doing computer networking stuff and sharing information with harper just like getting can i believe they're networking with mount sinai is what he says i believe and so, so this is This is going to be the start of a beautiful through line for this episode for little breaths of levity as things go on. And then Carter is sharing details about Benton and how he behaves as a superior to Jeannie because he doesn't know that Benton and Jeannie have this previous tryst that went on. And one of the things that he mentions is, like, you know, don't upstage him, don't question him in front of other attendings, like, just be meek and subservient, essentially. Don't get on his bad side.
0: And then Jerry laments the fact that he may have deleted radiology.
1: Well, shit, sure, just I think I just deleted radiology.
0: And Carter and Harper share an awkward hello over some brownies that were made by Wendy. So, mm. gotta love the... This is why you don't shit where you eat. Like, you don't date co-workers.
1: What was it you said last episode? Don't dip your pen in company, ink. Yes. Mm-hmm. Didn't we get? Didn't we hear that from Doug on the very first episode, first or second episode? Doesn't he tell he Carter that?
2: Did say that? Yes, he did. I'm trying to remember what it was in reference to.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it was in reference to uh, Elizabeth Lizzie.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that. Yep, that's exactly what they, it was. Because
1: they were banging in the hospital. Oh God. And car and Carter was having the STD scare.
2: Never thought I would Jeez. say this, but you should have listened to Doug.
1: Talk about it. Talk about a um 360.
2: Hmm all right uh so we get our first trauma of the episode like this is another one kind of like loves labor lost in that we get we get a few little quick hitter things here at the beginning of the episode but for the most part we're gonna be dealing with one interaction this one is more of a through line we will go back to it um, throughout the episode but um, we're burning off a lot of the like normal ER episode type stuff now because so much of the episode is going to be dominated by the what's happening here in a few minutes. Um, but a first trauma of the episode, we've got a hit and run, no witnesses. It's a young girl named Molly Phillips. Uh, Benton is taking the lead on this trauma, ordering everybody around. Uh, Carter and Harper in the room with him as they're going through. Benton's just kind of rapid fire peppering them with questions like what do we do for this what do we do for that and harper starts out very flustered but ultimately gets it right while carter kind of fucks up the answer and so harper gets to stick around and help benton while carter has to run blood up to the lab and he he gives this kind of very sour look and pouts away as he goes off to to do his bitch work um so we're getting a little bit of the like hangover from last week's episode where you know Benton. i'm sorry Benton, we will see in a bit, is still a little bit sour towards Jeannie, and uh, Carter is definitely still kind of being a little bit of a whiny baby when it comes to Harper. That sort of fades away a little bit, like, we they all sort of get over it as the events of this episode unfold, but we're still seeing kind of the little breadcrumbs of it here as we get started.
1: Sorry, just this whole episode just has so many good through lines, and I hate it because I love it so much. And then we have, we pop over to Doug in his job interview he's just got such a shit-eating grin when, he, when he's talking to the, um, who we assume is probably the owner of this private practice or at least one of the partners in it because he's like, yeah, you know, you're not gonna see too many high-intensity patients here it's a lot of runny noses and baby wellness checks and Doug was like, oh, that's the life and then the guy goes, you know, what do you think? Do you want to join our family? And Doug's like, you betcha! and a big firm handshake and like just shit-eating grin <laughs> totally lying through his teeth he's like yeah this is the last place i want to fucking be but you know i have no choice
0: i am also immediately suspect of any employer that says join our family
1: yep <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: Ugh.
1: and then from there with that great handshake we are in with some bangs
2: and then we get Morgan Stern, after, after the credits, we get Morgan Stern coming in to check on how uh, Molly Phillips is doing. They're evaluating her x-rays, and while they're doing this, Jeannie steps to the front of the, the crowd and diagnoses the fracture and then questions Benton's decision not to get a certain type of, like a certain angle of film um, in front of Morgan Stern, which... You know, and and Carter is like in the background, like doing the, again, kind of the physical comedy thing. of just like shaking his head like, no, 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 no. Like he's doing the Michael Scott thing, like the waving his hands and like his shaking his head like, no, 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 don't. But it's too late. He's already, cat's already out of the bag. And Morgan Stern's very impressed. Like he uh, has Jeannie tag along with him and then tells Benton to basically do what Jeannie says, like get the, get the alternate films in. So, got a little chilly in that room
1: yikes
0: uh and then we have uh doug coming back to the er saying hi to everyone and let's uh listen in to what some people have to say about his potentially new job
3: hey how'd the interview go great yeah, well, what'd they say they said i was great did you get the job 90 grand a year and nobody dies hallelujah i'll zane see you around
1: Okay?
3: You sure.
1: This what you really want?
0: Do I have a choice? No. No you do not, Doug. <laughs>
1: not that we know of.
0: Oh. No, but I just I just love that Carol's been Carol Carol is such a good friend for Doug before they get together and make babies.
1: Wait, you mean they're gonna get together? <gasps> Spoiler <gasps> alert. But um yeah, no, this is definitely like The more they've backed off the Doug following Carol like a sick puppy and just letting their relationship and their friendship breathe, it just works.
0: Yeah, you just get lots of small moments like this where they check in on one another and it just feels like a natural friendship. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. They build it very organically. Like after after almost trying too hard in the early part of season one, they've like let off the gas a little bit and it makes it feel, it, it
0: works better this way.
1: Well, I think they were trying too hard because Doug was trying too hard. Like that's who he was and where he was in his life. True.
0: Also, 90k a year, damn. But for
1: a doctor, eh. well,
0: considering mm, remember we had, one of, we had that one frame, we had that frame of reference from last season when Benton went on his tirade about the coffee with the nurses. Right. Saying we make like twenty five or twenty four thousand dollars a right. year. So. so yeah,
1: it is an up. Especially considering he's coming from a fellowship.
0: Yeah, and he's only a resident, so it yeah. would—I imagine it would be quite the pay bump.
1: Yeah, especially when we see his swanky car later.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: So then we go and we see Harper is talking to Molly, the little girl from the car accident, who is now with a now has a breathing tube in, and she and Carter walk through, um, extubating her. So it's it's very sweet. Harper's very gentle with her and. The The little actress who plays Molly is just the sweetest thing. Like, this is one of those characters where she's not doing it too sugary-sweet. She lays it on just enough. And my heartstrings were successfully pulled with her character this episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, this is low-key an excellent Harper episode as well.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good de- good development after how, how she inappropriately... De- well, I'm not going to say inappropriately. How she deals with the struggles of working with Cheche two episodes ago, this is now a good chance for her to kind of grow from that and learn from it and learn how to handle a difficult patient a little bit differently.
0: Yeah. Like it's moments like this that kind of make me regret that she's not like a longer part, longer term part of the cast because like Mm -hmm. this is like a classic Carter style moment Mm -hmm. in terms of patient connection and just caring about people. Like you see this a lot more with Carter and a lot more of the nurses later on. I think she would have made a great addition going forward but alas she will not make it out of season two
1: john carter md
0: (laughs) he's not there yet
1: i know he's not but um then we pop back over mark is checking in with the elderly woman again and he's like are you sure you have glaucoma because he's checking her eyes and he says everything looks fine and she goes well you know my medicine must just be working really well he goes well and she and he goes, well, how long, how long have you been lightheaded? And she's like, well, it's not really lightheaded or dizzy. It's more like I'm floating. <laughs> well, how long have you been floating? About two weeks. Well, how long have you been smoking marijuana? About two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll happen. So he just, he just kind of goes, oh, all right. And then that, that, that's where that scene cuts off. But it's just like. It's just such a cute little front end to this episode, and it just it makes me smile.
0: I love this little old lady. I want to be her when I grow up. Goals. But after that, uh, Daniel's favorite character, Linda yeah. Farrell, is back. She apparently can do everything, including computer stuff now, too. Uh, she's helping Jerry try to recover radiology, which we don't even get a clear indication of what he did.
1: I think it was like the directory or something. Like okay. Unnetworked.
0: Like un- un- all- God damn it, Jerry. He's he, okay, he's doing his best. Um, and Jerry is given the old woman's uh, weed to hold on to while she goes to radiology. And uh, he, gives it off, he hands it off to Doug as he's been cornered into playing dress up at an opera this evening with Linda. And Dumb. wait, this is Linda's final appearance?
2: Yes. Do you hear that? Do you feel that? That's Aww. the feeling and the sound of no more Linda Farrell. This is I it. Her.
1: Yeah, she had won us over.
2: Yeah, I was fine with her. Uh, I mean, like, she had her moments of... I mean, it's she really shines through in episodes like this. Like, remember how, in I think, uh, it was Blizzard, I think, in season yeah. one, that, yeah. honestly, that's when she was at her best.
0: Yeah, that's when, her highlight episode.
2: Was when shit was really burning down, and she just jumped in and, and helped out. But otherwise, like, I just found her to be annoying, and, like, she would go away for too long, and then when she came back, not do enough to reestablish herself. Like, they, you could tell that they very clearly lost interest in her as a significant character because when they would bring her back it was always for like a scene or a thing. Like she didn't really have any much any big things to she was basically just there to come in and like fuck up Doug's shit. Like oh things are going a little too well for Doug. Better bring Linda Farrell back. <laughs> like But
0: but my question for you is does she get bobbed or does she get like sort of spoken off later
2: i know this is so yeah i guess in in the purest sense of the word yes she gets bobbed because this this scene right here is the last appearance or reference as far as i know to linda farrell there is no storyline reason for her never showing up again they never say oh hey what happened to linda as far as i know that that's that's credits for her so dang oh well chalk another one up to bob
1: We've lost Bob and Linda now this season.
2: As far as Bobs go, I think so. I think we're at two two Bobs this season. Two
1: Bobs and only seven episodes in. Wow, this sucks. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I would argue that Linda's a holdover from season one. She should have gotten Bob way before she did.
1: We thought she did at first, too. Yeah. All right, anyway.
2: Anyway, uh, so Benton bursts. It, we, we go over now to the uh, X-ray room where uh, Benton bursts into the film room where Jeannie's examining some films, clearly still kind of... You know, all in his feelings from earlier when he got shown up in front of Morgan Stern. He dumps a repeat patient on her, and tells her to go grab the woman's 14 previous visit charts and write up a full discharge summary on, I believe, each one, each individual one, for him by tomorrow, and then promptly leaves. Like, doesn't even give her time to, to like, ask questions or like, accept the assignment. Just whips around and leaves. So he's just being a petty little bit, be- you know, bitch baby. Like he's just, <laughs> like he's just acting. So childish, and it's it's not a good look for you, Ben.
0: And uh, after that, we get a quick little beat. Carol is playing specifically named Doom Two against Mount Sinai. So now we figure out why they wanted to network with Mount Sinai. <laughs> because <laughs> Which, we, we got be another fair,
2: sweet video game endorsement. Who is getting all these video game endorsements for? I don't this know. Show.
0: I was about to mention that. I was like, this has to be a specific endorsement because they because they specifically say Doom Two. And they also, like, show gameplay footage from it later on. And they mention guns, like, the BFG, specific to the Doom series. So, Um, I'm... It has to be a partnership. Did you two
1: play Doom 2? I I played it
0: mostly in middle school, actually. Um, Not... I obviously was not in middle school in 1995. But someone installed it on, like, the network. So, like, you can access it from, like, every computer. So, like during lunchtime like we would be able to like go to the library for part of our lunch if we wanted to so a bunch of us would just go to the library and play DM 2 against one another
1: yeah that tracks
0: I mean we did it in science class too because we all had computers there for different <laughs> for different reasons so good yeah. game I had fun with it it's just so it's-
2: weird how many like specific game references and and like appearances we've had in the show so I mean we've had Super Nintendo like by name we've had a Sega Game Gear Mortal Kombat mark was playing that arcade that had nintendo very prominently displayed on the side of it i can't remember what game he was playing but you know it's just lots of like and it doesn't seem to be you know one specific company like they're bouncing back and forth between sega and nintendo it's just weird that a e ER, like a medic a medical drama a primetime medical drama in the mid 90s has got all these video game references. i mean i guess the, those would be the parents that would be buying the games for the kids so i yeah i suppose that's effective advertising but it just seems strange
0: I highly doubt uh, uh, Mark is buying Doom Two for um, <laughs> for Little <laughs> Rachel.
2: Ugh.
1: Maybe for himself after this. Well, I don't know.
2: Uh, it seemed like uh, when he bought the uh, when she got the Super Nintendo for her birthday, it seemed like Mark was the one that objected, rather than uh, Jennifer. Jennifer was the one that bought it. So
1: yeah. And then from there we go. We pop back over to Molly and her parents are there they both run in and go, oh, sweetie, oh, my gosh, are you okay? Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, you know, your daughter's going to have to stay in the hospital for a few days. But, you know, she's she's stable. She's okay. And the mom says, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, they'll take good care of you. And we'll be right here. And it'll be fine. And then uh, Molly looks up and goes, and daddy, you'll come back to live with us? Yeah, that's a big yikes from me crowd. And just they start to just bicker and argue and Harper kind of diffuses the tension a little bit. So she does a really good job with these two in this episode. Like, she is on point this whole episode as far as dealing with dysfunctional parents. Yeah.
0: Like I said, mm-hmm. low-key awesome uh, Harper episode as well. Yeah. Alright. Um, Take us in, Lauren. Take us into the, the the meat. the The reason why this is one of the best rated episodes.
1: The main course if you
0: will. Exactly.
1: So we have Doug in a Fancy-ass tuxedo in his Pontiac Firebird. We believe it was a Pontiac.
0: Yeah, well, um, I think that's what, the fireb- what a Firebird. I don't know.
1: I, I just knew. I if I understand firebird. correctly. Anyway, um, he's dri- he's driving in the pouring rain, and all of a sudden he busts a tire, and he gets out of the car, and we look and he we see that he's on co- what we believe was Columbus Drive. And it's really interesting, because my work building is here now in this back shot. It was not in season one on some of the um, establishing Skyline shots we got, but it is now. So that was really cool to be like, Oh hey, my, my work building. Yeah, exists it was really now. weird to see. They built it. It was really Yeah, uh, I I didn't realize how much I missed my work building until I saw it and then I was like, <laughs> Oh
2: Remember wow. going places?
1: That's so nice. Like and it's weird because um the park that he busts the tire in front of it's pre Millennium Park.
0: Yeah, that was super fucking weird to see. Like we had to pause and like just stare at it because that park that's right on the other side of him next to the curb that he pulls up to you have that's where the bean is. That's where a whole bunch of like art installations are. I think uh, the art institute actually expanded into yep, part of that as well. And there's huge parks there now. It's and, just all super developed and super tourist friendly and super green space. And
1: the big band shell where they do the movies in the park.
0: Yeah, it's it's night and day. Yeah, it's compared com- to I think
1: that's where I think the spot specifically where he's pulled over is where Maggie Daly Park got put. Because you Millennium Park is more yeah. towards michigan avenue maggie daly park is more towards columbus
0: no that's the it's between columbus and lakeshore it's maggie daly park okay yeah You're if right.
1: i'm if
0: i'm if i'm not mistaken but yeah
1: so that whole area either way they, they've done a ton of development in the past 25 years yeah oh my god this episode was 25 years ago <laughs> yeah the show is 25 <laughs> hold, years old hold on
0: 26 years old the show is
1: the show's almost as old as I am give me a second okay um getting back on track here cuz i just i'm i'm not ready to start talking about where this episode goes to <laughs> um so he's he just gets back in his car and he's just like oh fuck my tires busted like what am i going to do about this and then the the joint that jerry gave him earlier as a joke when jerry saw the costume he was going to have to wear to the opera and was like oh you might need this um stealing the little old lady's glaucoma medication <laughs> Um, it is the, gr- I'm sorry, Daniel, I'm going to take your point that's on this fun. and you can elaborate, but it is the grossest looking joint.
2: It looks like one of those uh, dollar store dog treats, like yes. the long green.
0: like.
1: <laughs> it's like yellow and wrinkled and just.
0: Yeah. Did people not used to just use white pa- white rolling papers for joints or like, I is think... this just like supposed to be like color coded because it's on TV? Right. Like, I think it's to like, that's not a pre-rolled cigarette. It's marijuana.
2: Right, I think we're trying to it's decide, bad. especially to the like the fucking the pointed
1: af- tips. The
2: internal after school special, he goes through before deciding <laughs> yes. to light it up where he sits there yeah. and literally it's like he's in a confessional like he's just like oh, should I I really want to? Like is it
1: <laughs> And then the dramatic push on the lighter. I know
2: dude, it's a fucking joint. Like I know it's 1995, but Jesus Christ.
1: And yeah, when you compare what what um weed back then was like to what it's like now He's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. And then right as he's about to light up, all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang! There is a small child screaming at his window that his brother is about to drown. Oh no!
0: All right. So Lizzie,
1: carry us on.
0: Who boy? Um. So and ent- we enter uh, Joey and Ben. Uh, Joey is the child who has banged on uh, Doug's window to get t- to get his help, and they are waiting into super deep water and at the end at the end of like a drainage tunnel and we noted there is nothing remotely close to that anywhere near where they are like there's like one ish area but like it's not within reasonable distance
1: I want to say this to any Chicago area listeners we may have if we are wrong on this Please tell us, because we were racking our brains and could not think of a spot that was like this.
0: Yes, the only place we could think of was near the Blue Cross Blue Shield building, where you see the big Prudential logo. Like, the like, there's, like, a little, like, that place is kind of raised. So, like, there might have been, like, something over there, but, like, it's not easily accessible from where they are. Right, so, and it would
1: have been, like, a 30-minute walk over there.
0: Yeah, it's... It's super weird. Yeah, if if we're wrong on our Chicago geography, please call us the fuck out, because we're not perfect, even though we like to think we are.
1: I mean, I know I am, but still, listeners, tell me if I'm not. I'll challenge you.
0: <laughs> um, anyway, so we get into the actual drainage tunnel, and we, uh, we meet the uh, trapped brother. His name is Ben. And, you know, we were just wondering, like, his... Okay, so he's stuck in like a grate that's like partially <laughs> kind of like that's like all obstructed by a bunch of like debris tree branches and whatnot and like the kid's leg is like sticking through a gap like there's like it's like all like wired shut except for like the middle strip and then there's like a bunch of bars that go down go down it and it's a locked gate and the kid got his legs stuck specifically long ways through a hole at the bottom of that, middle of that grate, yeah. And we're just wondering, how the hell did that happen?
1: And he's on the other side of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's like straddling. So like- he's like straddling the gate
2: with his leg. It's very weird. Like, and I think it's telling too that you never actually see his legs or anything. Like, you never.
0: They do a quick. They do a quick cut one time, and then you don't see it for the rest yeah, of. the... Yeah,
2: it's it's very flimsy, and like you know, and. I mean, I think cuz doesn't don't they say, you know, like they were playing in the tunnel and then it started to rain and then the water like rushed in. So maybe he got like f- yeah. slammed into the gate, but then that begs the question, how did his brother end up on one side of the cuz we d- established here very soon that the only other egress out of the tunnel on the other side is a locked gate that is above the tunnel. So how did Joey get out of the tunnel to go help Clooney if he was on the same side well, as Ben.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. you can clearly see it behind Ben that there's a ton of water rushing in. Yeah. Back there, so there might be. A, it's got to be coming from somewhere. Yeah. So the whole thing just has just a lot like of
2: obstruct- unanswered questions. Yeah.
1: It's coming from that grate that Clooney looks in and screams in.
0: Yeah. No, is it all coming in from that? Because that's a lot of water to be coming through that small of a, of like a small of holes on the yeah, on that grate. Know. Anyway. It still makes for good TV. It makes for very... It's very cinematic looking.
1: But I'm pedantic and it bothers me because it doesn't make sense how he got trapped on that side of the grate. Just
2: don't think about it too hard.
0: Yeah, uh, in the tone. A pedantic ER retrospective.
1: I'm here for you.
0: <laughs> but, he's, you know, he's like saying, Mom told us to stay out of the tunnel. And Ben starts crying. And then Joey starts crying. And these children are kind of really cornball-y. But <laughs> it's mostly... its most of the strength of this in elongated sequence of like the, for the next like ten minutes, we basically mostly focus ninety nine percent focus on this, is because of Clooney. So,
2: yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Clooney's definitely far and away the the star here in more ways than one. Joey, well, I would hope so. Joey didn't really have much in terms of. Um, notable credits that I could find or like anything that he did that I recognized. Um, but Ben, on the other hand, is um, he is a veteran of the Disney Channel original movie circuit. Eric Von Detten, who um, he was all over the Disney Channel in the 90s. He did the fucking rollerblading movie Brink. He did Brink. Oh. He did, yeah, it's very very 90s. When Dis- When we got Disney Plus, <laughs> I made a point of going back to watch it just to see what stupid nine ten-year-old Daniel was excited about and it's god it's trash um, oh it's
1: that guy
2: yeah yeah you probably recognize him more a few years after this like he once he's a teenager like he's very much like the late 90s early 2000s teenager
1: he was the um in the first princess diaries movie never saw it god damn it okay I um you
2: vaguely remember that yes
1: yeah he was the he was the jerk boy that Anne Hathaway had a crush on
2: Yeah, he was also in the uh, Disney Channel's Kids Answer to the X-Files, so weird. He was the little, like, California boy, like, airhead kid that uh, hung around the main character.
1: He was also the voice of Sid in Toy Story.
2: Yes, yes, he was. I always forget that, but yes, you're absolutely right.
0: So for the next few minutes here, we're basically going to have, like, a little bit of a listening party. I got about seven out of the next 10, 11 minutes of the audio, just because there's no way we can do it justice and it's just peak George Clooney and it's peak Doug Ross and I really just want to have you listen along and so it's fresh in your memory when we're, when we're reacting to it here so let's give the, the first chunk a listen are
3: you hurt? my stuck alright, how in there? panic, we'll get you out of here what's your name? Ben hey Ben I'm Doug this stuff out of the way here. Ah! Ah! How the hell did you get caught in there? We're up at the
1: canal and the water starting coming real fast. Just get it out, please, just get it out. My cousin fell in the It ain't my fault. the water
3: just pushed me. All right, settle down, fellas. Nobody's fault. Are you okay? I'm I'm caught and my leg hurts. All right, let me take a look at it. It's your lucky day. I'm a doctor. I check this. Now, does this hurt? Right, try not to move it. Is it broken? might be. Oh, no! Oh, no! Yeah, man, don't cry, Ben! Yeah, Ben, don't cry. nothing compared to what I've seen. Get have a OK? Please, please get me out of here. Give me a piece of cake. You know, as a kid, I used to build... Ugh, I used to build forts in these tunnels. You did? Yeah. Ugh. Of course, you gotta watch it, because when it rains, the water comes up really, really quick. Joey, listen to me. You go find a phone, you call 911, okay. and you tell them to send a rescue squad. All okay. right, Joey, go. Go, 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 go. Well, where's he going? Well, it's... it's great. It's great. as locked. I'm gonna need a little help. You said you could do it. What's that light like down there? I don't know. Alright, I'm gonna go check it out. Wait, don't leave. It's okay, I'll be right back. Wait, just don't. Okay? Listen. I'm gonna get you out of here, alright? I promise you that. You gotta do me a favor, okay? You gotta trust me. Can you do that? Okay. Okay? Alright, now here's the first thing I need you to do. You gotta curl up like this into a ball. Feel tight, like that, as tight as you can. Okay? That's gonna keep you warm. Now I'm gonna see what that light is. I'll be back as fast as I can, alright? Like a
0: ball. Like that. Let's sit tight. I would just like to point out that I feel extremely bad for all for all three of these people. For both Clooney and the two kids, because that has to be miserable to shoot all of this. Because that is raging water in the back. Oof. The Ben is up to like about his neck or so, or like his upper chest and neck in water. Clooney is just drenched. And There's no way this could have been pleasant to film. No.
1: They would have had to bribe that actor so much to just keep him content and comfortable in between takes.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to jam
1: your leg back in here and you're going to be cold for a while. It'll be fine. Like, Mm.
0: but just Doug. God damn it. Doug's good with kids.
1: Yeah, he continues to be throughout this whole segment. But then, yeah, so he goes and he hops the fence to see where the other light is coming from in the tunnel and he finds another grate, like, horizontal going down into the ground. Kind of like a manhole cover. But, like, it's a grate. And um, he's it's locked, of course. So he tries to beat it open with a rock. And then he uses a piece of, like, um, spare wood as a lever to try and leverage it open. Neither of which work. So he then takes the piece of wood and, grunting continuously, runs back into the culvert to go back to Ben and see what he can do.
2: He is going for it.
1: Yeah, if you're into George Clooney grunting ASMR, this is the episode for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: he is—he is like a grunty boy for the next five minutes or so. Yeah, grunty and like
0: clenched teeth. Yelling. Yes, like does a lot
2: of the like. Stay
0: awake. Wake up. Yeah, there's not a not a whole lot of range in his voice, but yeah, it's still amazing acting.
1: It's it's a great performance. But...
0: Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's give a uh, part two of three here a lesson. See where this goes.
3: Eh? all right, Good luck! I'm so cold! I'm buddy. Can you wiggle your toes? No! OK. Let us see. How about your fingers? Can you move those for me? There you go. And can you feel me squeezing your hand? I will. Good! All right. All right. Now all you gotta do is just... Warm thoughts. You got to think Hawaii, and you got to think the Sahara Desert. You got to think about... Hey, 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 hey! Hey, come here. Come on. You listen to me. You got to stay away. You got to stay away from me, all right? Okay, all right? I'm so tired. I know that. Why don't we just sing a song, huh? No songs, don't you? No. No. Oh. All right, yeah. Yeah, alright, how about, uh, how about, uh, take me out to the ballgame? Alright, how about? Take me out to the ballgame. Take me out to the crowd. Find oh, me and show me, me that's ah! uh, uh, oh Alright, listen to me. Come here. I gotta go get some help. No, oh, don't go, stop! It's okay. Please, stop! Don't. You gotta sing as loud as you can so I can hear you, alright? Say yes to me, come here. Alright, here we go.
0: I would like to point out that this kid is also doing a fantastic job of it as well, the kid who's playing Ben. Like, I think they have a great back and forth.
2: He's hanging in there. He's, you know, it's hard for me to separate what other things I've seen him in and how I I know what kind of a dorky actor he is and other things. So, like, I I hear parts of his voice coming through that I recognize from future things he does. But but no, yeah, he definitely... I'm I'm glad it's him and not the younger kid going one-on-one with Clooney.
1: Yeah, I'm lucky enough that he's so young here that I'm not quite connecting it. Like, I still barely see it even looking at the pictures. But um, yeah, no, this is... This is amazing, and just, you can hear the discomfort in this kid's voice.
2: It's like, you know songs, don't you? No.
1: <laughs> I'm done. I want to I sleep over it.
0: Can't really blame him. Uh, but Oh, um, my
1: favorite continuity thing of this whole episode coming up here. Oh,
0: yeah. This is super fucking weird. Um, so Joey comes back, screaming that he couldn't find a phone anywhere in downtown Chicago. In the mid-90s. Yeah, about that.
1: Probably at, like, 6 o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, we learned Maybe the
1: seven. We
2: <laughs> the learned in last very... week's episode there are just banks of payphones available right outside the L.
0: Exactly, and the two, and also the sun sets very fast here.
2: Yes, it gets so dark so fast. I mean, I guess it is the fall. Like,
1: it, it does not set that fast, but
2: it shouldn't here. set that fast. Yeah, it sets really fast. Just it's like mid afternoon, but like overcast when Clooney dumps or when he gets his flat tire and then by the time him and Joey are wading into the water it's like fully dusk. So maybe it was a 30 minute walk away.
0: You never know. They don't actually give a specific time stamp on like other episodes, so who knows? But uh with the one of the weirdest edits though, right after Joey comes back screaming they couldn't find a phone anywhere. It just immediately quick cuts to Doug throwing a toolbox through a giant <laughs> window in an office that was magically near his car.
1: Yeah, there all of a sudden at, well, Doug runs back to his car to get the, the tire jack, or the car jack, and then, yeah, he's grabbing the the car jack and his flashlight, and he's with Joey, and Joey's like, yeah, there's no phones anywhere. Fucking Chicago, why are there no phones? Wait. And then, yeah, like Lizzie said, all of a sudden, they just turn, and he throws something through this giant window.
0: Yeah, the worst, like, jump edit ever. <laughs> like. There are
1: no buildings anywhere near where he got his flat. In yeah. those wide shots.
0: Like it would make it would make sense if you like showed him and Joey like starting to run towards the buildings in the background, but no, it just goes from Joey talking to him to Doug throwing shit Hard through cut. the window.
1: And then and then we don't see what happens with that. It's yeah. just the window breaks and we go back to Ben.
0: Yeah, he yells at Joey to to find a phone and call nine one one and wait there in the building. But then we go back to Ben. So part three of three of our little listening party here. Let's let's tune in to it.
3: I knew you could do it. Hey, 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 hey. Stay away. You're gonna stay away from me. Come on. You gotta stay away. Alright, this is gonna do the trick. You use this jack to get your leg out. So you cubs, Ben? Yeah? Who's your favorite player? Who's your favorite player, Ben? Hey, hey, come on. Who's your favorite player? Look. Everest. Fuck Grace. Were you nuts? Hey, Sean Dunstan's a man. Ah, The best short in the game. I'll tell you what I'll do. Next season I'll take in Wrigley Field. Hey, come on. Stick with me. Stay here. I take you to Wrigley Field. Oh, oh. Come on, damn it. We'll get a couple of dogs. And we'll prepare Grace to Dunstan. All right, there you go. Hey, stay up, stay away. Keep your head up, keep your head above water. All right, all right, so you think that you know a lot about baseball, dude. Come on, all right, ask me a question. Come on, come on, ask me a tough one, let's go. Stay with this. stay up, stay up, stay up. Most home runs. Most home runs? Hank Aaron beats Babe Ruth, that's nothing. It's an easy Alright, Here we go, you ready? Okay, we got it. We got it. All right, come here. Yeah, push your leg out, you ready? I, I, I can't feel It's okay, I'm gonna help you. All right, here we go. Oh, oh! Oh! All right, buddy. Okay, okay. All right. Come here, come here. All right, listen. Hey. You gotta hold on right here. Hold on, with both hands. You hold on, and you gotta keep your head up above water. You understand me? Yes. I, yes, you I,
1: do. I can't.
3: Yes, you. I I can't. I can't. Oh. I got the hinges. Go I can't. I, I, I can't. Yes, you can. I can't. Yes. I can't. I, yes, you can. Hey. Damn it. You hold on. Damn it. You hold on. You hold on. You hold on. You want to stab me? Hold on. Here we go. Fly. We almost made it.
0: No, He is just going to town on that grate with the with the oh crap the tire iron the other yeah,
1: the car jack
2: the car the thing the thing that turns the jack.
1: Oh yeah, it is that. I don't know why for a second I was visualizing him hitting it with the actual Jack. I'm an idiot.
2: (laughs) He's just going so hard for the Emmy right there. Like, just full-on scream acting. Like, just, you hold on! Yes, you can! Yes, you can! Like, he is so into it. I mean, it's good. Oh no, it's good, yeah. Just, towards the end there, it got a little bit hammy for me, but it's it's very good, don't get me wrong.
0: But he does succeed.
1: I'm sorry, I just, that whole sequence just
0: yeah actually
1: oops sorry god him trying to wake him up by splashing him in the face with cold water like i understand it's to like shock him awake but in that moment if i was that kid i would be so like not the actor but the actual child suffering in this (laughs) great i would be so mad i'm like i'm already doused enough can you not
2: (laughs) i know he's so and he's so like i know he has to be like because it's you know, literally a matter of life and death, but he is very mean to the kid. Like, like yeah, with his, like, like hey. clenched teeth, and he's like, you stay awake!" work. Like, he's like a... He, just he's, grabbing his face and yeah, like shaking jaw. him. He's like an angry parent. Like, like you're getting, like, told off in a department store. Like, I'm gonna beat your ass when we get out to the parking lot. Kind of, like, thing. Like, he's just very, <laughs> like... You,
0: mother, you motherfucker, you better do this, you little shit.
1: But, yeah, so he manages to smash the hinges of the great... Um, hard enough, I guess, even though we never actually see him make contact with the ninjas (laughs) when we show him hitting them. Uh, he's just kind of hitting the bars, but, uh, the grate breaks, and he and Ben are forcibly shoved out of the pipe. Um, and now he has to find Ben in the fucking lake-slash-ravine that they've been launched into. Um, and magically he scoops Ben up within ten seconds. And there is a helicopter just in time, we think, as Clooney carries him to shore-
2: carries him i should point out too carries him with his head just like dangling off and like flopping everywhere after he just got shot out of a concrete pipe at high speed like are, were we not worried about a c-spine fracture at this point like
1: uh, yep. we make no and effort also, where is joey now <sighs> just, he's just he's he's just there when they need him other than that he's just not around um so yeah we we leave with doug successfully getting ben laid out on the grass joey nowhere to be seen and we will find out what happens with them shortly. But we quick check back over in the ER, and Mark is now playing Doom Two and complaining about how badly he's doing.
0: (laughs) That's what all the nurses are in the back, like, use this gun, use that gun, use the BFG-9000. Use
2: Use all the things that they listed for us on the press sheet. (laughs)
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Make sure we mention all the things, otherwise we don't get the money. So yeah, so then we quick cut over, and Jeannie is delivering to Benton the thing he asked for earlier, even quicker than he expected, which, you know kind of throwing it back in his face a little bit uh we check back with uh molly the hit and run patient from earlier uh they are waiting on a plastic surgeon to come down and consult with her i guess or she may need some plastic surgery but the mother kind of interjects and is like oh no that won't be necessary we called our own plastic surgeon to get her get her face looked at and uh the dad kind of cuts in and he's like well he's a shitty plastic surgeon who just does lopsided breast exam or breast augmentations and then she slaps him and he's like "Mm, touchy subject so yeah both of them kind of suck like both parents are are pretty like shitty like they're pretty they're the like stereotypical i feel like 90s uh disconnected parent trope from movies like where you know they're the parents that are like too wrapped up in their own bullshit and their own career to like notice their kids like they're just very very one-dimensional
0: Then after that, we go back over to Ben and Doug. Ben is not breathing, and Doug is not able to uh, get him breathing through normal CPR. Uh, A police officer arrives with Joey. You know, they tell him that the ambulance is on the way. The helicopter lands that was previously above them. We find out it's a TV chopper. It's not a medevac, which, how does a TV crew get... A hold of this information. Like, was that, or like, was it just like, um, do they just look, listen to the police scanner, I guess? That would
1: be my bet.
2: Yeah. Because it's not really, it's it's too dark for a passerby to be able to see all this and call it in as a tip.
0: Yeah. But, uh, Doug, uh, so Doug and just doing Doug things, does a crike on the kid to, to bypass the, uh, obstruction in his airway since he obviously can't remove it. Uh, uses a, does does a crike with a Swiss Army knife and a pen. Yikes. <laughs> but it works.
2: <laughs> Yay.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So there's just a pen sticking out of uh, young Ben's neck. Um, and a couple and shortly after that, the ambulance shows up. We noted that while Doug was running Ben over to the ambulance, the pen was not in Ben's neck.
2: Come on guys.
0: so a little pedantic continuity error there. Um, it's what I live for. Yeah, I was going to say it's the Lauren special there. Um, but they want to take the ambulance folks want the yeah, the paramedics. <laughs> Shut up. The paramedics uh, want to take young Ben to uh, Mercy because it's closer by uh, by ground transport by quite a bit from where they are. But the paramedics and Doug are sort of going going back and forth because Doug doesn't think that Mercy would have the facilities like they don't have an intensive care unit. They don't have. the Yeah, they're not a they're the not facilities. a level
2: one trauma center.
0: Yeah, like they yep. would have to transfer him out for continuity of care anyway. So Doug asked the news chopper if they can take him to County instead because it's only three minutes longer by air. So it's like fifteen minutes versus twelve minutes. And the news guy, it's just it's you got the camera guy and uh the reporter out there and they're like, Hell yeah, let's do it. It's gonna be a hell of a story. Let's go and the news reporter is basically filming this entire time. Yep. And when they start to go up in the um When they just start to go up in the chopper, uh, they don't have room for both the camera guy and the reporter and Ben and Doug. So the news guy is just filming it himself.
1: Mm -hmm. And Joey is left to fend for himself with the police or the paramedics or somehow to get eventually to county because Joey's not important. And then we go back. Mark Carroll and Jerry are screaming about the Doom 2 match with Mount Sinai. They're all around the computer now. And Mark just sucks at Doom, and they all just (laughs) have taken turns at this, and it's just, it's such a nice little breather in between all of the, all of the Ben shenanigans. And then all of a sudden, they all see Dr. Ross on the news.
0: Yeah, a call comes in over the radio that, like, it's directly from Doug.
1: So yeah, they're, they're watching Doug on the news after Mark, after Doug calls in and is like, hey, Mark, uh, I got a kid. We're coming in via chopper. Get me warming stuff ready. And Mark is like, alright guys, you do this, you do this, you do this. Like, it's almost like they're preparing for the Blizzard episode all over again. He just gets them instantly organized and preparing to deal with this super, super messed up kid. Um, and then Morgan Stern calls, and you can tell he's like, do I need to come in? Is this a problem? And Mark's like, no, we've got it. Don't You don't need to come in for this. It's just reporters. We're fine. It's Go. fine. Go about your day. It's fine.
0: Just the 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 epitome of that gif of the dog in the burning room it's fine <laughs> this, this is, is fine. fine
2: so uh again getting a little breather from this we jump back over to molly um in the trauma room they're moving her or they're getting ready to move her up to ct um, because she's got some abdominal pain so they're getting ready to roll the gurney out and as they're getting ready to roll it out she kind of panics and she's like oh wait i need my lunchbox and so harper goes back to get her lunchbox which i noted was an animaniacs lunchbox another warner brothers property in addition to the show and steven spielberg involved with it so fancy that all sorts of connections um and then she also gives harper a little necklace out of her lunchbox that she made in school and she was like this is for you it was very sweet very sweet very touching
0: then and so more reporters are showing up after they obviously see what's happening on nbc on nbc it's an nbc news chopper if it matters um nbc chicago I re- I really rec- I recognize the newscaster that was on the TV with Doug, too. Like I'm 99.9% sure it was an actual newscaster from NBC5 here in Chicago.
2: The one that was on the chopper?
0: No, the the guy that was on the TV. Oh, the, the guy that was on the TV. The, the, African-American, the American
2: African-American guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was. The guy on the chopper was an actor, but the um, the one on the TV was real.
0: But Mark is telling all the news people to go to the press room, which does... Okay, maybe you might have a little more insight with Jen, Jen the warrior ER nurse. <laughs> Is that is a press room a thing in hospitals I would think
2: in a large metropolitan area like Chicago like I'm thinking like Chicago LA New York Boston like those type of cities their major public hospital I would imagine they probably would because you probably are gonna get some high like higher profile cases coming through that hospital that may attract press attention so they may dedicate a a set space you know for things like that but as a general rule I don't think so and if they do it's probably a very small area like because most hospitals don't just have spare rooms just lying around Mm -hmm. that they can like dedicate to something that might get used once a decade so especially that's another thing too that I feel like probably went away after HIPAA like
0: yeah that's what i was thinking of i was like because we mentioned a little a few episodes ago that this or last season that this is pre-hippa yeah i can't imagine that was a thing that
2: that extended much beyond that law going into effect like because what can they say there's
1: there's definitely a moment a little bit later on in regards to that where it would be a clear HIPAA violation if any of them answered the question that was asked
2: yeah most i mean with with most hippo regulations and laws and stuff like you you can't even acknowledge that that person is a patient like you can't even acknowledge that they're there so what's the need and what would be the purpose of a press room so
1: so then we go onto the roof where they successfully remove ben from the chopper and get him onto a gurney with a mobile defibrillator and they just try and get his heart stable at least up there i don't know why they don't just do this in the elevator they wait and keep doing it in the pouring rain until he stabilizes because they
0: want to do it right this second well
1: i know but they could have been doing it while they were. they're anyway. doing
2: it in the fucking rain they're defibrillating him in the rain that's a terrible Zap. idea
1: well he's already soaked anyway but the newscaster is over the shoulder taping the whole thing like what are you doing how's this heart? are you stabilizing him is he gonna be okay tell me more folks like just all up in their shit but they managed to stabilize his heart rhythm before they get him in the elevator and get him downstairs.
2: Yeah. Not a good look for the, like the, he's such a stereotype. Like the, the reporter guy, like the predatory media trope, like of just like, I don't care about anybody. Like all I care about is the story. Like all I care about is like,
0: give me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that exactly. Beautiful. Okay. So then Molly, uh, we find out Molly has crashed on her, either on her way or in the CT, and now she's unconscious. They suspect that she may have a blood clot near her stomach, so she's kind of in full-blown full crash mode. So we will be coming back to this several times over the next few minutes.
0: Um, And then we pop back over to Ben. Uh, He's getting warming blankets, and they're still trying to get a consistent heartbeat going. Just a very faint pulse. Uh, His uh, oxygen level of his blood is only 80%.
1: Not great. So you nope. should
0: be up in the high 90s there normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so not great.
1: <laughs> can, I, can I have my pedantic take here? Yeah. Again, we run into this, this uh, film gate 2020. <laughs> whose films are on the board? There was no patient in there previously. It was an empty gurney. It's like the same ghost films that show up in between every trauma. They have not taken scans of anybody. Why are there films on the board? Tell me. I must know.
2: We need to have elements of medical in the room.
1: Because the room itself isn't a good enough element of medical.
0: <laughs> and the fact that you're on a show called ER and mer- and you're in a trauma room. Set dressing. Ugh,
1: sure. Okay, sorry, that's that's my one. Go, That's my two for the episode, go ahead.
0: But you gotta do it for the aesthetic.
1: <laughs> okay, I wish I could have like slow-mo captured the face that was made with that because it was glorious. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Uh, But Mark tries to get Doug to get changed because obviously Doug is still very uh, not sterile and very soaking wet and freezing. Soggy boy.
1: And in shock.
0: Soggy boy? Really, Damian? Soggy boy.
2: (laughs) So then we cut back over to uh, Molly in the trauma room uh, where she's kind of crashing. She's getting some blood transfused mom is hysterical screaming and crying wants to be with her daughter get this great perspective shot from molly's point of view really really good camera work here and it's just it sets this really ominous tone because there's no music at all like it's just this very side other than all the you know usual like beeps and you know the chaos of a trauma room but like there's no ambient music added in over top of it and it's just very like you're expecting it and it's not there and it just sets a really really weird uh mood
1: but it's so good
2: oh yeah so so good
1: yeah this is one of those times where the weird patient pov shots actually works mm-hmm. because you're you're in molly's point of view and you're terrified for her right. just like sh- like she must be in that moment oh no she's unconscious for this but yeah how how you imagine a child would feel but yeah in it puts situation. you it puts
2: you on that gurney like it puts you in it's it's the best effect like They've used it using that shot to its best effect yet. I think.
1: Yeah, I'll be grateful if I can ever avoid being on an ER gurney ever again. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, All of
0: us should be so lucky. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then again, little shift. I love seeing Jerry run bouncer for people as parents <laughs> try to come into trauma rooms. Like he just he just kind of like scoops the mom and dad kind of one in both arm and backs them up and is like, guys, you can't come in. Like, back it up. And the mom insists on standing out in the hall and watching which is he's like fine okay but you just you really can't be in there like hang out
0: in another life Jerry is a bouncer at a successful club right you,
2: I mean you forget the ER because he's kind of so gentle a club he, yeah. he is a giant Team
1: Jerry
0: um then Morgan Stern uh, did end up coming in too and he comes in to check on Ben and
1: that popped collar
0: yeah so they have a couple <sighs> different ways they can try to treat Ben um to try to warm up warm him up faster one of that one of the ways is ah. Uh, Did you write down the second way? Plural lavage. Oh, yeah. So you got two ways you can uh, warm up and faster. First is, like, with a heated plural lavage, which we understand it as basically, like, warming his heart first. Like, it's more, uh, so it's, like, more, like, injecting, like, warm fluids closer to his heart so then the... That heats up the blood in the heart as it circulates out and
1: More gradual. Yeah,
0: more gradually, and then what they end up going with though, is they end up hooking him up to a bypass machine, which looks similar to like something you'd see like with dialysis, and so they're basically just taking his blood out, warming it up, and putting it back in. Ugh. Yeah, which is a terrifying concept in and of itself.
1: Yeah, seems fine. That's great. <laughs> so
0: they need Benton to help with that.
1: But yeah, did you mention that you're the attending part?
0: Oh yeah, and throughout all of this, Mark is like, I don't know what what do we do what do we do? And he's like Morgan what do we do? And Morganstern's like, fuck, you're the attending.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, like he knows your fucking problem. He's, <laughs> he semi confidently presents these options and he's like, What do you think, Morgan Stern? Morganstern's like, You're the attending, go for it, bye. Dynamite like, drop like, in there guy. Kind of walks out to go deal with press and heard them, I think. But like,
2: why are you even there if you're not gonna offer any sort of assistance or any sort of input? You're just
0: gonna be like, Yeah, you seem like you got it. <laughs>
1: because he's setting the tone oh god
0: i just imagine him walking out um in front of the press and it's just like the liam neeson gif of from like police squad or something like that where like the building's exploding behind him and he's he's just like (laughs) nothing to see here everything is fine please disperse
1: So then this is where it gets to be a bit of a clusterfuck for the rest of the episode because they're juggling these two child traumas at once. Benton is needed for the bypass, but he needs to stop Molly's internal bleeding first. There's a great handoff here between Mark and Benton on the traumas where Mark's like, no, they need you to do the bypass. I can handle doing the internal paddles for her. Like, go. So they try the internal paddles on Molly and she flatlines. Mm -hmm. We lose Molly the sweetest sweetest little little cinnamon roll and we lose
2: her and we see this is harper's first death which you know we we made note in in season one how hard carter's first death hit him and i feel like it's a similar type situation here i mean she she also is doing a really subtle bit of work too that i really enjoy that she's like she's like playing with the necklace when they call the time of death she's like rubbing like rolling the beads on the necklace in between her fingers when they call the time of death. Like, it's really good character yeah, work I that. by That's Harper. Sweet. And this is the first instance. I didn't, I, I did not obviously go back and like verify this, but I did read this and I can't think of another instance off the top of my head. But um, I read that this is the first instance of a child dying on the show who had a speaking role. Every other time we've had a child die mm. on the show, it's, it's always been like an infant or or just a, a throwaway patient like a doa or something you know but like anytime we've had a child that has had a full speaking role they've always lived up until now
0: Hmm. interesting yeah i suppose
2: like i couldn't think of anything off the top of my head that would contradict that like seem you know i mean obviously it's early season two year we haven't had a ton of child patients and most of the child patients we've had have had pretty non-life-threatening type things or if they did have life-threatening like Che, you know he dies off screen or or is yeah. presumed is going to die but we don't actually see mm-hmm. him die like
1: it's not a trauma death
2: right but this is the first time we actually have a child who we've gotten to know over the course of an episode die on us
0: yeah uh we'll, we'll move from that and then uh we have a couple more audio clips for you here first one is a uh, ben waking up
2: doug doug your friend's awake hey
3: hey You're in a hospital. Don't try and talk. Cut. He made it. Pretty nasty cut. Yeah.
2: Probably use a few stitches.
3: and yeah, will do that in a little while. <sighs> What's his temperature?
2: 93.
1: Vital stable.
0: 93. Way to go. He made it. About that <laughs> Doug M's the sweetest.
1: George Clooney, why are you so good at this role?
0: <laughs> it's almost like he's a movie star in the making.
1: What? just it's just so heartening. Like these are the moments we've said again and again and again is Doug with children is Doug at his best. Like mm-hmm. he was made to be a pediatrician. He may be a loose cannon and he may be shitty with women, but Doug with kids, like, he's in his element. Yeah. It's what it's his passion. You can see that.
0: And George Clooney sells that ridiculously well.
2: Oh yeah. The face acting here is so good. Like you can you can almost see uh without any words being spoken, you can see the internal decision making process in his head of being like, I can't go to a fucking urgent care clinic and, mm-hmm. and treat bruised knees and shit like that. he's like, I wanna do this. Like, I wanna do the exciting stuff.
1: There are babes that need saving.
2: Yeah, it's it's so and good. Then,
1: um... Yeah, I'm sorry. I just had a visual of him in the fucking culvert going, damn, we're in a tight spot.
0: <laughs> Oi.
1: We need to do that movie so bad.
0: Um, what happens next, Lauren?
1: <laughs> so then we see Carter has told Molly's parents what happened and they start to walk down the hall just clearly distraught. And as they're walking down, the reporters mob them and start to ask, oh, are are you the parents of the boy who was stuck in the river or whatever? Like the one who was stuck in the water that um, Dr. Ross saved and Carter just immediately walks up and he's like, you're not asking them any questions. And she's like, excuse me, I was talking to them. And he was like, no, you're not. And he just like runs defense so they can get out of the, out of the building without.
0: Yeah. Cause they're like asking like, we've heard reports that your child has died. Can you care to comment on that? Oof. Or no,
1: that, 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 the boy survived. Yeah.
0: Or it was
1: yeah it was that the boy survived they're asking
0: really invasive questions Yeah, they're they're
2: like how do you feel about him bringing him here when it was three minutes faster to get to mercy or something like right just
1: and how do you feel now he's stable or whatever and it's just like not wrong kid wrong parents shut the fuck up and and carter just like steal eye. it's one of the sternest moments we've ever seen from carter but he's just like nope leave them alone and he just helps stonewall and get them outside
0: good job carter yes Sweet boy. Then we have our last audio here. Uh, we have Mark cleaning up, du- stitching up the aforementioned uh, wounds that Doug suffered throughout this incident. Hey, how are you feeling? You made it.
1: Just like you promised.
3: Thank you. It's all right. Hey, you remember Wrigley Field? You got a date. Now, let me finish. That one was crooked. Yeah? Well, next time, you can do it yourself. Hey, Mark. Thanks. For what? You did all the hard work. I don't think I could have gone up in that helicopter. I just got lucky. Yeah. You know about kids. It's good as new. Where are you going? Check for reporters. All clear.
2: That's their favorite little bit of uh, interstitial music. They, that's the same music that plays when Benton comes through the doors in the pilot and does the punch. That's the exact same bit of music. The,
1: bah, yippee, ah. I was about to say, does that, does that um, music melt anybody else's heart the oh, way it melts v- mine? Yeah, it's very good. Just, Lizzie, can we walk down the aisle to that music? No. <laughs> but it's so sweet. Can we walk down the aisle at all?
0: We can just, uh, you know, some people do weird stuff when they're walking down the aisle. We could just repeatedly bent and punch down the aisle. There you go.
1: Okay, also, also, how's that going to work? We're both ladies. Who gets to walk down the aisle?
0: We just do it at the same time, just side by side, just going, bah,
1: bah, bah. <laughs> it's, it's an option. But, uh, listeners, tell us what you think.
2: <laughs> There's a new stretch goal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: listeners plan our weddings thousand dollar goal
0: patreon.com slash sign the tone podcast i'm sorry
1: not thousand dollar goal thousand dollar patron level there you go
0: although a thousand
2: dollar for a thousand dollars a month they can they can absolutely plan your wedding <laughs> like i'm oh I- they can plan our wedding daniel yeah i'm declaring <laughs> that right now if they give us a thousand dollars a month one person yeah, yeah they can
0: plan your you're wedding. you're already married i see how this is i see how it is oh, look i'm a businessman
1: oh i appreciate you so yeah then um uh, Mark did a real shitty job checking for reporters because the minute they step outside ah shit there's reporters okay
0: no they weren't in the hallway outside I know. the trauma room which is I where know. you look they were outside in the ambulance bay that's what I'm
1: saying he did a shitty job checking for reporters
0: <laughs> still our <laughs> ambulance bay too
1: still our ambulance bay but yeah it's full of reporters and they're all like how'd you feel saving that little boy's life how'd you make that choice? Was that real hard? Blah, 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 blah. And like, just like, and it's just a really weird shot because they do it in like slow-mo and Doug's like trying to cover his face in Mark's coat. It's just weird. What a ride. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But Daniel, we got some fun facts for this episode? We do. Um
2: as I think I might have mentioned earlier in the episode, this episode was nominated for 5 Emmys in various categories. None of them I think though were acting related. I think they were all on the technical side, Ooh. like directing, writing, cinematography, yada yada yada, all that good stuff. And it went over 5. So,
0: this is rigged. Yeah,
2: not great. And then the other uh, other note that i had on this episode um as we may or may not have made note of no susan and no weaver in this episode um and particularly on the susan tip because weaver as you may recall from her debut she was originally slated to just be a six episode arc she was not originally she she doesn't get inserted into the main cast right away um, so she's I don't think at this point she's um, considered a full-blown full-fledged cast member yet, but Susan definitely is. So this marks the first time in the show uh, show's history that a member of the main cast has not been present for an entire episode. Every episode we've had up to this point, everyone mm-hmm. has been on screen for at least a scene. Like there's been a few episodes where, People have been de-emphasized where it will been like, oh, hey, I got to go. Bye. And then you don't see them the rest of the episode, but you at least got to see them. This is the first time that we go from beginning to end without seeing one of the main cast members. And it's Susan. Always getting the short shrift.
0: An omen, I'm sure. Right? Yeah,
2: no. Don't get used to her. She won't be around very long.
0: <sighs> okay. So I got to put this as my number three overall so far that we've watched. Between both seasons, I'm putting this behind. I'm putting this number three behind Blizzard and Love's Labor Lost.
1: I think that's a fair placement.
2: Yeah, I do too. I think my I think where I landed on this, and this is after watching it and us discussing it for the last almost hour and a half. My like landing place on Hell and High Water is. That Love's Labor Lost is the more technically proficient episode. It's the better written, better paced, better delivered, finished product. But the strength of Clooney's performance in this one elevates it to a level that it otherwise wouldn't get. Like, if it was just this episode and you had anybody else... Like, if it was Benton or if it was Carter or if it was anybody other than Clooney in that spot, I don't think this episode is even, like is even top 10 in the whole sh- whole series but on the strength of his performance alone it gets elevated up into that because love's labor Lost does so many little things throughout that we talked about this off mic that like when you get to the end of love's labor Lost, and a lot of it has to do with the subject matter and the fact that the patient dies at the end you feel like hollow at the end of Love's. you feel like something has been taken from you like you just feel like emotionally drained and you feel that here too but it's the kind of emotionally drained that you feel after getting off of a roller coaster it's not the kind of emotionally drained you feel after watching someone die in front of you which is what you do in love's labor lost so it's just a different kind of different flavor of of stress and anxiety and and it's good but it's just not quite as. i think third is is probably the right call i think it's 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 a step behind Love's Labor Lost. For me, I think it would be Love's Labor Lost first, Blizzard a close second, and then this one third. But still a great episode.
0: Lauren, what's your thought?
1: Uh, I have to say probably Blizzard actually and then this and then love's labor lost not because love's labor lost is an inadequate episode but i think it's because this one we get to end on a slightly higher note
2: Yes, yeah, it's tr- <laughs> it's very true don't have to watch yes. green sob so, on the hill
1: yeah so it's like they both pack really good through line punches and they're both paced really well for what that main trauma is but just this one you get to breathe a sigh of relief at the end yes we get the weight of tragedy of losing molly but it doesn't completely crush our souls. Yeah. Like Love's Labor Loss is a beautifully acted episode and it's wonderfully done and like it's great from that perspective. But I just need a little bit of hope at the end of the day. So that's the only reason why it's like this gets like a 001 percent higher on my list. Like they're virtually tied. Yeah. But I have to put it a little bit.
0: These are all like these are all S tier episodes we're talking yeah. about here. So this is Weeb. like one point <laughs> one this is like one one. Uh, like, like, one, 1.1, 1. 1, one.
1: Yeah, Lizzie, can you explain what S tier means for a lot of our demographic <laughs> oh. who I'm sure don't listen okay. to JRPGs? So, Or okay. don't play JRPGs?
0: Okay, so, like, when you're playing a game like Sonic or, like, some random JRPG, uh Fire Japanese role playing game, video game for the uninitiated. Usually there's like something above A tier, depending on how good you do on a mission or a level or what or what have you. That's commonly referred to as S tier. So for like super. Yeah, super tier or something like that. I don't actually know what the S yeah. stands so for. So you get that... like
1: your normal A, B, C, D, but then above A is S.
0: Yeah. It's like so. you do like a fantastic job. So which that's the sort of quality yeah. we're talking here.
1: Or if you're a Disney weeb like I am, this would be an <laughs> e-ticket attraction episode.
0: <laughs> oh, God. I have no idea what that one, means. One, so, uh, one other... Back in the day... Oh,
2: no, go ahead. I want to, I want to hear your Disney nerd explanation for <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, I want to hear okay. this,
1: too. So this is what I did when I threw my back out, is I watched a lot of theme park history videos. Back in the day when Disneyland first opened, each ride was individually ticketed. The tickets were different categories, so you okay. would have your A tier, B tier, C tier, D tier, E tier. So, like, the Skyliner would be an A tier ticket. That would be, like, five cents. And the, the tickets would just, in, like, you know, go up in price based on what the... Or you'd get in your ticket booklet a certain number of each of these tickets. The E-1s, of course, being the most valuable, so you'd only get maybe one or two of them. And so the E-ticket e attractions were like your Space Mountains. Your... Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other good E-ticket attractions. Matterhorn. Back when they still had the ticketing system. Yeah, the Pirates Matterhorn. Of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Those big, like, headliners. Hmm. So those were the ones that, you know, everybody wanted to get on, but they were E-ticket attractions, so they were, like, high-demand. Hmm. Gotcha. So e-ticket e- attractions, you'll hear a lot of those theme park videos that I watch reference that as like, oh, this is their new e-ticket attraction, even though they don't use ticketing anymore. They're saying it's that like God tier of ride innovation. So like Rise of the Resistance would be an e-ticket attraction. Oh, I'm sad. We'll go eventually. So if we can- Patrons. If
2: we can end <laughs> by actually talking about this episode. I think Sorry. I think the other thing that separates Love's Labor Lost for me over this one is- Is the strength of the supporting cast? Like, the yes, yes, Bradley Whitford beats the pants off of this Mm. kid. Like, you know, (laughs) he he does, he just does. Like, Bradley Whitford knocks it out of the park in his episode. And this kid, Bradley Whitford, this kid holds his own, you know, he does okay, but he just can't hold a candle to Bradley Whitford. So, I think that's another, another, you know, feather in the cap of Love's Labor Loss when you're trying to make that determination, one or the other. But
1: that's fair. Every time you say Bradley Whitford I want to rewatch West Wing.
2: At this point I'm a, I'm fully expecting a spin-off podcast at some point.
1: Don't tempt me.
0: <laughs> patreoncom Sign the tone I
1: I will do West Wing and I will do Mad Men without any hesitation. I will
2: do Mad Men with you at the drop of a hat. I've never I still never watched West Wing all the way through so
1: Daniel. I know. <laughs> it's so good. Okay. It's it's a leftist sweat dream in these current times.
0: Are right. we Are we ready to wrap this one up kids? Oh, let's
1: get it done. I have to open my island for people. Okay.
0: All right. Well, that's going to about wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. Uh, This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can access our show notes each week. Higher tier rewards once unlocked will include a special season recap episode a uh, monthly bonus show called The Lounge where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, and a monthly mo- uh, movie commentary where we'll watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also greatly appreciate it if you'd follow us on our social media accounts. We are at setthetoneer on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial.
0: And I should be starting to be featured on a Let's Play on your YouTube channel. Yes, also you should. The Popular it Court. May or may not soon. have already
2: started by the time this episode drops. I can't remember when Jake said it to go live, so...
1: Uh, May 29th.
2: May 29th. Well, if it's before May 29th when you're listening to this, it will be coming up soon, and if it's after, go watch it now.
0: And uh, Lauren, where can folks find you at?
1: Folks can find me live-tweeting my first attempt at making bagels and more about Disney history on my personal Twitter at lobob92345.
0: And you can find me on Twitter as well. I am at random gamer. that's G-A-M-3-R. And thank you again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week.